1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to The Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. On this episode, I am going to talk about all the devices we're wearing that track our health and some crazy things on the horizon. Then, after I get to some of your questions, I'm going to address something that's becoming a really big problem for Americans' wallets. Buy now, pay later plans so I look ridiculous I have a Samsung watch on one hand I have a Garmin fitness tracker on the other and I wear an Aura ring this past weekend I got up and I wasn't feeling particularly well and Aura gives you it's a health tracker and it gives you a report card each day. How'd you sleep the night before? What it calls your readiness, which is another way of saying your overall health, and it grades your health, I think, in ten different criteria. And then your activity score, which updates through the day, is how active you've been. Well, it's a score of zero to a hundred for an aura. And normally my aura score for readiness. Is an 82 is my average. It was a 49. Aura knew that something was wrong with me when I got up. And how crazy is that? And it told me not to do any exercise at all. It told me I had an elevated temperature up 1.4 degrees and that my heart rate was elevated. Sure enough, it was right on all those things. And whatever it was went away. The next day, I, I did what it said. I just rested, and then I felt fine. But that's kind of crazy, isn't it, that a ring would do it? But that's we're in early innings because I shared with you years ago that when I was at CES, what used to be known as the Consumer Electronics Show, There were a number of exhibitors showing clothing that had in it for athletes all kinds of tracking devices to help an athlete improve his or her performance, to know when to push themselves, when not, in real time, if they're in an athletic competition. Well, now that idea, that was kind of clunky and bulky what I saw at CES years ago, is getting close to being mainstream for general health monitoring like let's say somebody has a bad ticker you know they've got a bad heart going to the cardiologist once a year or twice a year is going to miss a lot of stuff it's what they call the snapshot where what you're you know when they hook up all those leads to you and they do the EKG and all that 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 is not giving the kind of up-to-the-minute information. Well, now there are a number of, uh, they call they call them med tech companies. There's some term like that they use for them. I forget what it is. But they're developing things where you'll be continuously monitored. My Samsung watch does, like the Apple watch, a basic uh, ECG reading, and I have a Cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A, that's a device that was $149 that does a six-lead EKG. And so you have something with the six-lead that's almost as thorough as what you'd have in a doctor or cardiologist's office. So if something was wrong, I, I have a heart defect. So that's why I'm into that. And so that's, that's something that can give me early warning and is much more thorough than what Samsung or Apple are are offering using the Cardia. But this is something that is going to continue to evolve. You think about people with diabetes, how much more sophisticated the monitoring has become over time. And that's just going to get better and better. For any kind of chronic disease, we're going to have devices, apps, the rest, that will help us disease manage and potentially save lives and improve the quality of lives. And that is coming along. Now let's talk about something that could freak you out. There are a bunch of companies that are working on, I talked about this last year, and apparently people found it objectionable. But anyway, um, the idea of toilets that monitor your health. Toilets that have artificial intelligence that are able to monitor um, your, well, when you go poop, how's that? And are able to do that. People who have health conditions that require monitoring that are GI tract kind of things that companies are racing to develop toilets that will actually do that stuff. For you, do that normally nasty, uncomfortable kind of thing to talk about stuff for you.
0: Stool test.
1: Yes. See, you made it sound so much more institutional and medical than I did talking <laughs> about poop.
0: All right. We're going to get to some questions here. Brandon sure. in New York says, my landlord has asked me to pay my rent using Zelle. Does your
1: landlord hate you, Brandon?
0: <laughs> Is that safe? No. And are there any protections I should put in place first? Perhaps only using Zelle on a secondary checking account.
1: Now you're in the money, Brandon. <laughs> That's exactly what you do. Zelle offers no consumer protections under the law. Zelle is a cooperative effort of eight of the giant monster mega banks, And they've dreamt up this thing that fits through regulatory cracks where all the risk is borne by the consumer, done by the bank it is really a despicable thing Zell could be fine and could be safe if legally the banks were required to offer consumer protections but they don't and they aren't and so setting up a secondary checking account that you only put enough in to pay the rent to your landlord using Zell is the safest way to use a very unsafe product
0: From David in California, I want to mention a scam everyone should be aware of. Recently, someone redeemed cash from two of my Chase credit cards on the same day. They requested the money to be sent to their bank accounts. The bank called me thinking there was fraud on my cards, and they were right. The bank did stop them, and I am in the process of getting my points back. The credit card rep told me that this is a very big problem, people stealing points and redeeming them for cash or merchandise. Most people don't check their points on their credit cards or airline miles accounts and wouldn't know if only a portion of their points were
1: redeemed. David, fantastic that uh, the bank noticed and checked with you. And good job, Chase. This has been a bigger and bigger problem with people emptying your frequent flyer accounts. People have not been monitoring their frequent flyer accounts who are corporate travelers because they really haven't been traveling corporate. And a lot of times they've just been sitting on their miles as they've been growing and not checking up on them. And in this case, this is Chase accounts that have points that you can redeem for a variety of things, including cash. And so criminals see this as easy pickings, often with things like frequent flyer points or credit card points, People tend to use very simple passwords because they don't really think, oh, who's going to go after that stuff? Let me tell you, the criminals know it's a weak link and they are going after your miles, your points, whatever. And so monitoring them is really useful because you notice a problem quicker. If you try to sign into your account and you can't, it means somebody may have beaten you to it. And the sooner you notice and the sooner you act on it, the better a chance you have at getting your points or miles restored.
0: This is from Don in Arizona. A new roof is going to cost about $15,000 and two new heat pumps will cost $20,000. My home is about 4,000 square feet and has lots of equity. What is the best way to pay for these major home expenses? A cash out refi, a loan from the roofing contractor or AC contractor, or a loan from a credit union?
1: So Don, there's several possibilities here. First, let's talk about the refi. Uh, Rates have been exceptionally low lately, and there may be an opportunity for you to refi into a rate lower enough that you could make up the closing costs in 30 to 36 months. And that would be a great way to do it if you're going to get a lower rate and you're able to get the cash to do these home improvements. Taking out a loan from a contractor usually is not going to be at a favorable rate unless the contractor subsidizes the loans, which some of them do for uh, you getting a new air conditioning system or getting the roof done. Doing the credit union is an interesting alternative. Credit unions offer, most of them offer what's known as a home equity loan, which is typically a five-year fixed-rate loan at uh, a pretty good rate. So if you thought that you could pay back this $35,000 in five years, a fixed-rate home equity loan would be a good alternative. Um, home equity line, though, only works if you would be able to pay back the money in short order in 18 months or less next i'm going to talk about something that has really affected so many americans credit scores and not in a good way another day is here and you're ready
0: for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help
1: Do you know that we're at a point that almost half of Americans have reportedly used these fast-growing buy-now-pay-later services? Usually, you're given an opportunity at a retail store or online to pay for something over four easy payments at no interest. And people are like, what could possibly go wrong? And I've been worried about this from when I first talked about Buy now, pay later, hitting our shores two years ago. So what was I worried about? So let's say you see something you'd like to buy, and it's 200 bucks, And you're like, wow. So I could pay the $200 now, or I could pay $50 four times over a period of time at no interest. What a great country. I mean, look at this. I'm getting to borrow money at no cost. Where's the problem? According to Reuters, a third, one third of people who've used buy now, pay later have fallen behind on the payments and generally trashed their credit. So that would mean, doing quick math, that would mean something like 15% or so of Americans have ended up ruining their credit or harming their credit by falling behind on one of these four payment thingies you know it it has the tendency potentially to get you to make an impulse purchase of a few hundred dollars you might not have made otherwise if you had to pay the few hundred all at once I mean that's really what we're talking about here and so you think Oh, it's going to be great, I can do that. Where if you had to pay the 200 right then and there, you might be like, nah, I won't do it. So it gooses spending. It encourages people to spend who would not. So you miss one of these payments, and the harm to your credit lasts a good while when you go delinquent. And... What's the possibility that it will lower your score? Well, Credit Karma that tracks the scores of so many people has found that people that are delinquent, three quarters of them end up being delinquent enough, they get reported to credit bureaus, and they trash their credit score. So if you want to use a buy now, pay later is a w- interest-free way of spreading payments out. Just know that you got to stay on top of it and you got to make sure you can come up with the money to pay it on time. Because when you have a product that's relatively new in the United States and a third of people go delinquent, a third, that's unbelievably high. That's a huge, huge number and very worrisome to me. Krista?
0: This is from Daniel in Florida. I am a salaried manager at a restaurant that also pays quarterly bonuses. I'm considering leaving my position at or after the end of the third quarter. I will give sufficient notice. Are they required to pay me a bonus for the quarter?
1: Daniel, as soon as you tell them that you're headed for the exit, odds are that bonus is not going to be part of your life. So I know this is something that uh, hits into an ethical area. You know you're going to leave, and you have already served them for that quarter. So I don't see a problem with you waiting till after you've received the bonus to give notice. And, you know, I know that we we have a bonus plan, depending on if we're profitable or not, with our websites we have a bonus plan that pays out once a year and of course I know that somebody who might want to leave employ with me will wait till after they've received the bonus and then they'll give notice and they'll go somewhere else for work and that's fine with me Uh, that doesn't bother me at all because they did the work they contributed to the profitability of the company And I want people to be rewarded for what they do. Uh, Different bosses feel differently about that. And so, Daniel, I would say best thing, keep your mouth shut on leaving till after you've gotten that bonus and then give notice.
0: Okay, and this is from Maribel in North Carolina. What are your thoughts on prefab homes versus stick-built homes? We're looking into doing a modular home next year.
1: So... Maribel, I am a longtime advocate of building substantially uh, the construction of homes in a factory kind of environment. The homes generally are built better, they're built quicker, and they're built at about a third lower cost. So we in the United States have been very slow to adopt something that is becoming common in more and more of the world. In the United States, I think about What sector has done it? The hotel business has done it, where overwhelmingly hotels are being built in factories and they're brought over in units that a crane lifts into place and it shortens the time to build a hotel substantially and reduces the cost so much. In our country, we see it from a commercial standpoint And a lot of apartments are built this way as well. But single-family homes, we have not adopted like the rest of the world are adapted. So I'm a fan of it. I think it's wonderful. And even now, uh, Fannie Mae will finance something that looks like, that's built like a uh, totally in a factory, like a mobile-type home. They'll finance those if they're attached to a permanent real foundation, and then they get regular kind of financing underwritten, but I'm talking more about where homes are built in uh, sections, trucked to a site, and lowered into place is where we need to be moving in the United States.
0: Okay, and Lynn in Oklahoma wrote in, are supplemental cancer insurance policies cost effective? Would it make more sense to use the money spent on the premium to upgrade my general health insurance?
1: So, Len, I love the question because I'm going to reword it into a statement. It would make more sense to use the money (laughs) spent on a premium to buy supplemental cancer insurance to instead upgrade your general health insurance. I am not excited by narrow kind of insurance policies, but I am excited by broad policies. There are any of a number of things that could happen to you health-wise that would require you to call on health insurance. The reason people love cancer insurance and why it's been such a successful sales product is that you got a significant chance of getting cancer in your lifetime. I think it's maybe, it sounds morbid, but I think it's maybe one in three. I don't know the exact number, but it's a pretty high number will get cancer at some time. And what a cancer policy does is when you are diagnosed it then makes you eligible to receive money from the policy to use for whatever purpose. So you're insuring a specific thing instead of a broad one. As an example, I'm always into the broad things like a general disability insurance policy, a general health insurance policy, a general life insurance policy, that those three things are the first priorities you should be looking at, not something more narrow like a lot of people love these accident policies or cancer policies or anything like that. I want you to go broad, not narrow.
0: This is from Patrick in New Mexico. I recently discovered my father opened a whole life insurance policy for me when I graduated college at age 20. He has been paying into it, but didn't find, I didn't find out until a few months ago. The insurance policy was supposed to be a gift for me when I eventually got married and started a family. Well, I'm about to get married. I'm currently 41. My fiancé is 31. We would like kids but are iffy on home buying. The whole life is $50,000 upon maturity in 2080. It has a current $27,000 cash value. I also have a term life policy I opened before I knew about the whole life. I don't need money now, but I feel it could be invested better elsewhere. I know your feelings about whole life. Should I cash out?
1: So not necessarily cashed out because this policy has been in place 21 years the commissions involved in the purchase of the policy have long since been covered and so the increase in value now each year if it does in fact increase cash value each year may exceed whatever premium has to be paid it may have an inherent rate of return that makes it worth doing There is a service that I love called EvaluateLifeInsurance.org. There's a service of the Consumer Federation of America. And that service will take your individual policy and they'll tell you in the notes exactly what you need to get from the insurer. They'll let you know if that policy is one you should keep, dump, or convert to... uh, You may have a conversion privilege to convert it to some form of term. And to provide the illustration, the analysis is $150. So $150 may sound like a lot of money, but the value to you is really great to know what to do with that policy going forward. And if we didn't get to your question, or you want one-on-one advice, Do you know we have that for you at the Team Clark Consumer Action Center? It is free and available to you Monday through Friday from 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon Eastern Time. And you can call for free one-on-one advice at 636-49-CLARK.